I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back. Another edition of Around the Nest, Friday, August 4th, as all the levels of the minor league full season ladder in the Blue Jay system get together once again. We come a-flocking from our various stops all across minor league baseball. Tyler Zickel from Haye, Vancouver. Today, we've got Chris Valentine from Single A Dunedin. Bob Lipman, the esteemed voice of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, joining us for AA. And Pat Malacaro from AAA on the road, embarking on a two-week sojourn, which we're going to talk about when we stop in with Pat in the final segment of today's show. But as we normally start at the top of the ladder, we're going to start at the bottom rung, where it all begins full season style. The one and only Chris Valentine. Good day to you, sir. Happy FSL action as we start the month of August. How's it all going down there? Oh, well, we're we're coming off a uh, a pretty tough month of uh, of July going nine and 15 with that uh, nine game losing streak uh, right smack dab in the middle of it. But uh, trying to turn it around against a, a team in Fort Myers, that's been about where we're at here in the second half and. Losing two out of the first three is not great, uh, especially after last night. I don't know if uh, you guys got all the uh, info. I know I sent you the box score for it last night with a couple position players pitching in the ninth inning of last night's game. I wanted to save my reaction to your email for this conversation. Uh, good to see Glenn Santiago toe the slab. Uh, that's a guy who played a lot of positions for the Canadians last year. And uh, you know what? Donnie Murphy's bunch continues to find ways to at least put smiles on our faces, if not find the win column. But at the end of the day, it's only August 4th. So is Clearwater still the team to beat down there in the FSL? And do the DJs have what it takes to make a second half push? Well, actually, right now, the team to beat seems to be the Lakeland Flying Tigers. The The Tigers affiliate has just been outstanding in this second half. 24-10, uh, and 10, I think, is their record. Uh, they just went on a 9- or 10-game winning streak. They had a 10-game winning streak earlier in the second half, right after they had started, I think, 0-5 or 0-6. Uh, but they seem to have really turned things around in this second half and are really making a push for that second playoff spot. Uh, and then Bradenton, the Marauders, are uh, doing exactly what they did at the end of the first half, and they continue to hit, they continue to pitch, and they're up near the top. The two, Those two teams look like they're really going to fight it out for that final spot. 
One of the interesting things I've found about being the only West Coast affiliate in the Blue Jays system is you've got, you're talking about the Pirates and the Tigers affiliates. Well, AA New Hampshire, they get a taste of those organizations as well. And then you get up to the International League and you see them across that IL as well. Whereas out here in the Northwest League, all those single A teams would say be in the California League. And so we aren't seeing them the same way coming through Vancouver. So we get the Diamondbacks affiliate and we get the Giants, of course. We get uh, some other teams out west of the Mississippi, which I find fascinating. But might actually breed more of that competitive edge once you get to the upper minors, because I'm sure Pat and Bob could relate. Guys have been playing against each other for a long time. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I'm sure, especially when it comes to to hitting, you're seeing different pitchers. Whereas uh, up at the double AA, A, triple A level, you're seeing the same guys that you saw at your level earlier on in your career. You have a familiarity with them, and you know how they might attack you. And obviously, people change things up they change up their uh repertoires a little bit and how they go about pitch by pitch but yeah it's there's there's no familiarity when it comes from Dunedin to Vancouver then it does back up to New Hampshire speaking of familiarity or in this case lack of familiarity this time of year always interesting with the draft guys getting signed as non-drafted free agents we just had the deadline pass who are some people that we aren't familiar with yet with single-A Dunedin that we need to be? I think for me, uh, Roque Salinas, if I said that name right, jumping off the page, somebody we have not talked about and I can't say I've ever even thought about. Yeah, uh, signed with the team, uh, I want to say January of last year. That sounds about right. Uh, he was crushing the highest level of uh, of baseball in Mexico. Uh and when he first got here, uh, bats ball skills are almost unmatched when it comes to, uh, or last year, at least for him, uh, just getting the bat on the ball is fantastic for him. He's very aggressive at the plate, doesn't take a lot of walks. It's something that he's developed a little bit this year, uh, but looking for that to develop a little bit more going forward if he wants to keep going up and up. Uh, he started off the year pretty tough after he showed showed a lot of good stuff for us last season. Uh, but this month, this past month of July, uh, batted to a 292, uh, really seems like he's caught fire at the plate. And hopefully he can continue and build that confidence back up that I know was probably a little bit lower in the first couple months of the season. What about any rumblings from around, obviously, TD Ballpark or the complex itself about the recent draftees? What guys are going where? We've seen some of the uh, early round picks and some of the older guys uh, from the draft this year go to the FCL to get their pre- pre- excuse me professional career started. Easy for me to say. So for you, Chris, where do you see that trickle effect maybe seeping up to the Blue Jays down in Dunedin maybe a week or two from now or maybe by the end of this month? Well, we've already got seven other guys here. Uh, from the 2023 class, uh, I think all three of the non-drafted are here, if I'm remembering where everybody slotted in correctly. Uh, and then four of the picks, uh, three pitchers, four hitters, Nick Goodwin, uh, Jackson Hornung, Brendan Orff, and Bryce Arnold, uh, all position players. And then Kalanis Sauer, uh, Josh Malares, and J.J. Sanchez. And from the pitchers, especially the first couple appearances that they've made, saw Sanchez for the first time the other night, uh, doesn't look like a guy who could – uh, just pump 95 down the middle of the zone, and he can, in fact, do that. He's got a very lively fastball. Uh, he only comes in at 5'8", probably about 165, 175 pounds, uh, but he can throw. Uh, Malaris has a wipeout slider that is probably the best one I've seen for Dunedin this year, and he showcased it in the first two outings uh, at Tampa and then the other night here in Dunedin. Uh, then Kalanis Sauer's a... Sub three quarter arm slot, righty guy, about 
91, 92 is what he sits with the fastball. Uh, he's got a nice, really nice slider as well with a ton of run. Uh, really starts on the third base side of the rubber, and he can be a big problem for right-handed hitters going forward. I've really come to love this time of year working on the lower two rungs of the ladder here between you and I, Chris. Uh, It's been great to see how these guys who start their pro career and then can make their way up even to high A. We saw Michael Tricconi, who is somebody I've got to talk about today because he has been arguably the finest hitter on the roster since Alan Roden left. And we can check in about Alan Roden with Bob Lippman and double A when we get there. Stracone, 15-game hitting streak, which came to an end last night. It seems like when guys get slotted in at DH, those hitting streaks have a tendency to come to a close. But 15 games is the longest by a Canadian's batter this year. He still worked a walk and scored a run. He's been on base now in 30 consecutive games. That's also a Canadian season high. 15th round pick out of Wake Forest last year. Joined the Canadians late August for the stretch run, then into the postseason. This is a guy who knows how to win. He was the team captain for the Demon Deacons his final season a year ago. So we never know from this crop who's going to be affecting the playoff chances of the DJs, of the Canadians, and years to come, guys who are going to be at those upper minors relatively quickly. I don't see Tricconi staying in high A for much longer. Selfishly, I would love to have him for the entire playoff run because he is a huge part of the middle of the order. He can play all four infield positions, and I'm sure he could play a corner outfield spot if he asked of him. But this is a guy who has very much like Alan Roden looking cooked for this level and ready to get promoted. So we never know from that bunch who's going to be the next guy to get that call and make the impact. Yeah, definitely. And going through uh, Instagram, whenever I see uh, your guys' box scores and highlights, it seems like I hear that beautiful voice of yours saying Michael Turconi every day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it has been a turkey time, as the boys say, a whole lot. He hit for the reverse cycle the other night here in Hillsborough. The two cycles that the Canadians have fit this millennium have come in Hillsborough, and they've been less than a month apart. In fact, it was a month ago today when Alex DeJesus, who was in the Mitch White trade with the Dodgers, uh, he hit for the cycle for his second time in the last two seasons. So things are looking up for the Canadians as well. And they can be for the DJs, Chris. We know that there's a lot of good for individual performers. So let's finish with this as always. How can we stay up to date with all things Dunedin Blue Jays and tap into your broadcasts? Best way to do it, uh, DunedinBlueJays.com. We got we still have that little uh, that little gift that's just right there on the front page. All you got to do is click that. It goes right to my link. Uh, apart from that, you can keep up to date on, on DJ's Baseball on all forms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Dunedin Blue Jays. You'll see everything we've got to offer. Chris Valentine, as always, terrific updates from that lowest rung on the ladder, but arguably the foundation ladder, because certainly that's where it all gets started as they chase big league dreams in single A Dunedin. Chris, thank you for the time. Thank you. All right, we're bopping up. Double A, Bob Lippman. Good day, sir. The esteemed voice of the Double A New Hampshire Fisher Cats tuning in, I believe, from the Granite State today. You are not on the road with the club. Is that correct, Rob? We've got young Gareth Kwok at uh, Marabito Stadium in the Parlor City, uh, Binghamton, New York. You have, uh, you are right on the money there. Are you going to skip over Vancouver before Here's you come the- to New Hampshire? You know, it's been uh, it's been this whole saga that I've been on, and producer Leo Mui can testify to this. Nobody wants to hear me just rattle on about the Vancouver Canadians as much What's as there's so much again? to talk about. What's your uh, record we, again? That was the 62nd win of the year last night. Um, boys are rolling. It's been good. Wow. First team to 60 wins. Not uh, almost as exciting as how good the herd have been in the second half, just yeah. to be able to turn it around. Uh, but the C's, which I'm getting from all of the other broadcasters in this Northwest League, are a wagon. 
Uh, that is what they're saying. Hop on board because uh, the train has certainly left the station. But now the double side sword of that is that the Canadians have all the expectation to just run through the postseason and anything can happen in a best of five series. So come September, who knows? Well, we're going to learn a, a little bit more about uh, what helped make uh, the Canadians into what they are over the next couple of weeks, because I think as you are aware now, we have none of the remaining five starters from the opening rotation left with us with the trades this week of Adam Kloffenstein and Sam Rebursa, uh as part of uh, the deal uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, they're pitching at AAA Memphis now. So uh, Michael Dominguez will make his AA debut tonight in Binghamton. We saw Abdel Mendoza look pretty good the other night in his first start. Chad Dallas, uh, the rest of our rotation right now looks like Luis Quinones has kind of nailed down that extra spot. We haven't uh, seen or heard what the plans are going to be for Ricky Tiedemann yet. And uh, today the Blue, the Blue Jays announced the signing of uh, a former Cub farm hand, Trevor Clifton. He's listed uh, in our bullpen today, but uh, we need somebody to make a start tomorrow. So if it's not him, uh, we'll see who it will be. What do you think explains some of the second half scuffles for the Fisher Cats? You make up a, bring up a great point there, Bob, about how all of the roster turnover has brought in a lot of guys who don't have double A experience and you get into that bottleneck of the upper minors and now you really will be tested. Is it that? Is this some bad luck? There have been some games where, say, the Portland Sea Dogs, they seem to have just caught Quicksilver this year and have found ways to win games they have no business winning, and it just so happens the Fisher Cats have played them a lot over the last couple of months. What have been some of the reasons why uh, Cesar Martin's club is near the bottom of the second-half standings? Yeah, I think we just haven't finished. We haven't hit well in uh, in clutch situations. I know Gareth has shared the numbers with you. Uh, we've been walked off nine times. We don't have a walk-off win yet. Uh Hartford came back on us a couple of times and another uh, series loss that we just had at home. And it just, uh, it's been a, a myriad of things from, from the not hitting to making some, uh, some errors, some pitchers who have been really effective have a rough inning. And uh, as a result, you know, we, we've pretty much played ourselves out of this. And I know um, we still have a long way to go, but Fisher Cat sitting at nine and 18 in the second half. I, I usually tell you, you want to be 10 games over 500 to be seriously considered for a playoff spot. And that just isn't doable with the number of games that we have left in the schedule. So you go out and now I think you just set the bar as uh, let's see if we can win series after series and, and we'll see if, you know, we can make some steady headway. We did have a pretty good July in terms of offense. We were the number one hitting team in the Eastern league. On the other side, we had a terrible month on the mound pitched an ERA of over five and a half. And that kind of undid things for us. Bob, you've been doing this for a long time, even okay. before you started working for the Fisher cats in 2004 and the inaugural season, you have seen every year of Fisher cats baseball. You've seen Eastern league championships. You've seen teams come in last place. So when you get into a spot like this, from your experience, where does that motivation come from for the players, but also for you to continue to show up at the ballpark every day and to continue to individually work on your craft? Because it's easy to get lost in the wins and losses when we all have to remind ourselves that each guy in the organization is honing themselves to help the big league club, a la Davis Schneider, who we're going to talk about when we get to AAA Buffalo with Pat. 
Listen, I, I don't live and die by wins or losses any more than minor league managers do. Uh, their whole goal is to take a ball player and to help advance that ball player to the next level and to improve the skill set. And, you know, if we don't win games, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world here at the double A level. Uh, your, your fans might get a little frustrated hearing that. Why is, why is he not going to the bullpen for this left-hander? Because, you know, they have a lefty bat up and it's, because the right-hander needs to prove to develop, to get that left-hander out at, you know, at some point in the future. So I'm, I'm not worried about, you know, wins or losses over the history of the Fisher cats. We've had precious few really good baseball teams. We've had three championship teams. They've been three of the four best years that we've had. And we've been under 500 every other year of our existence. So uh, that answers that question. So I come to the ballpark every day with the same job, and that's to to sell the story of these guys and and to, to point out where guys are making improvements and and to have fun in that regard. First of all, thank you for being you, Bob. That's just entirely uh, a microcosm who we know and love in you, Bob Lippman. So thank you for that terrific answer. And speaking of those improvements of individual guys, and that's so true. That is what all four of us uh, at all of the rungs of the full season minor league ladder need to be doing more than just sharing the X's and O's, but also sharing the story and selling these boys and what they're doing, chasing these big league dreams and these women as well. Ashley Stevenson, most notably with the Canadians these days. Let's talk about some of those individual uh, improvements that guys have made. I've got four guys who have stood out for the last couple of weeks. Stuart, Baroa, Phil Clark, Will Robertson, and Trevor Schwecki, all guys with interesting backgrounds who've kind of come long and winding roads this year, but seem to be having some of their best at-bats and best performances of the year over this last two-week stretch since our last episode. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't matter which order we go in, right? I sat with Phil Clark and I have a nice bond because we're both Vandy guys. So we've been able to talk about that Vanderbilt program. And Phil scuffled to start the year. There was no question that it was starting to get to him a little bit. And he started to turn around on a nice June, had a really good July. And I said, well, what, what's different? What are you doing? And he said, I realized I needed to go back to what I knew. I, you know, at some point, coaches can, can share their knowledge. They can got it, kind of get you to change things. But in the case of Phil Clark, he knew what he wanted to do, went back, he was hitting the ball hard. He was making outs. He stayed with it, and uh, and he's come along. Stuart Baroa just finished. Uh, he ended up uh, having a 24-game on-base streak snap last night. All along, we had said, if this guy can just start getting on base with that stolen base potential, uh, he's going to be a player that you're going to have to take a look at. He, he's, a, he's not a gold glover, but he's a really fine center fielder, covers a lot of ground, and uh, he's just having an awful lot of fun right now. And uh, whether it's trying to bunt for a base hit or just taking the slap single uh, when he can get it, he knows how important it is that he gets on base. Hasn't hit a lot of home runs. We don't uh, I think we ever expect him to do that. Trevor Schwecki's kind of battled injuries a little bit. I love the fact that he's going to get significant playing time in the infield. Now with the Relvis promoted on to triple a and uh, I think that he's very comfortable in that uh, shortstop position and uh and he's a bat who's who's been pretty good. Uh, I've, Leo Jimenez has been good all year long. 
we've we've liked what we've seen here. Rainer Nunez has been putting better at bats together. So the, that's the offense. I think clearly is is in a pretty good place. And if we can get that pitching staff, the, the starting rotation especially solidified, we're going to win some games. Stuart Barroa for me. And Forrest Wall, who just made his big league debut with the Atlanta Braves, who made right. his way through the uh, Blue Jays organization after the trade with the Rockies some time ago. I see a lot of similarities between these two, and this is just coming to my mind uh, in, in this moment here in the fact that Forrest Wall, uh, certainly lots of speed, great in the outfield, but Stuart Baroa, even more dynamic and electric on the base paths. Bob, how can we stay up to date with all things Fisher Cats? And of course, make sure we tune into the broadcast to watch those individual performers continue to improve and to chase some wins in August and play spoiler across that Eastern League. NHFisherCats.com. You'll find the links right there at Binghamton this weekend, back home to play Reading next week. As always, Bob, thank you for the terrific stuff. Cheers to you. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Pat, AAA Malacaro, how you doing, my friend? Coming to us from Coca-Cola Park, Lehigh Valley, taking on those iron pigs. The Bisons are hot. Yeah, this is a matchup of two of the top teams in the International League second half. Uh, they're tied right now in the standings because Lehigh Valley's taken two out of three. And uh, the iron pigs have had the better of the Bisons this year. But uh, this Bisons team, we've talked about it a lot recently, the consistency, not only because of uh, the position players, but even some of the pitching, which now has taken a hit with injuries. And uh, we'll see what some of the double-A guys are able to do coming up uh, and joining the team now. But uh, the consistency that this Bison team had really led to a very successful month of July, springboarding the team to right in the middle of what I think is the biggest road trip of the season, not only tied with Lehigh Valley, but you've got Worcester right at the Bison's heels. And the Bisons will play the Woosock seven times makeup of a doubleheader uh, that had to be scheduled uh, away from Salem Field for a game postponed at the beginning of the second half. So we'll have seven games in six days in Worcester coming up next week. That could tell us what the final six weeks look like of this Bison season. I am with you on that, Pat. I think all eyes in the system need to be on this two-week road trip because to do what the herd have done, 
after certainly a, a disappointing and frustrating first half that began with arguably the craziest weather-affected stretch that I've seen. And we had our first three games of the season canceled due to rain in high A Vancouver as well. Uh, just a testament to what the entire staff has been able to do, starting at the top with Casey Candel. But then these players in AAA, as we talked about two weeks ago, it's hard to find that juice sometimes because, you know, you've got guys from all sorts. But it seems like this club is not only performing well on the field, but they're having a lot of fun. And that has now manifested in one of, I'm sure, their spiritual leaders, David Schneider, is getting that big league opportunity. Yeah, yesterday was such an exciting day to be around the team. And, you know, it's what makes when you get to game 104 of 150, you know, every day can kind of feel the same once you get to August, right? We, we all feel that having worked in full seasons, uh, you know, for, for several years. And uh, that's what made yesterday so unique and special, not only because David Schneider uh, earned it the hard way, so to speak. And, you know, he could be one of those guys that could be the last player. You think about this. Uh, someone mentioned it to me earlier today. He could be the last player that's gone up and through every rung of the ladder back to the old way of baseball prior to 2020 where you had the the the, the, the Florida State League and the, the Complex League now that's what it's called, the Appy League, all those different levels, um, some of those that are no longer there, uh, the Penn League. Um, he's gone up through all of them and, and made his. And now is going to make his major league debut tonight. So uh, to see David Schneider, uh, somebody that had to earn it as a late-round pick uh, in 2017, uh, you can really get the sense that the guys really had a shot of adrenaline yesterday. Super excited for their teammates. You know, it does come at the expense of someone like Thomas Hatch, who was designated for assignment. That's the that's the tough end of the business. But uh, for for the team here in Lehigh Valley, they were certainly excited for their teammate, who who not only has been maybe the most uh, potent power threat for the Bison this year with 21 home runs, but you look at the walks that he's been able to gather this year. 72 is the most in the league. So it's not just that he's added the power. It's not just that he's been able to walk a lot, but he's been a very patient player. And he's done that by playing a lot of different positions, which can mess with you. And uh, it has not bothered Davis at all. What does it say about me that I got chills hearing you talk about how David Schneider might be the last guy to make his way up through all of those old levels of the lower minors? We're not going to see that ever again. So just all the more testament to, to Schneeds doing his thing up there at the AAA level. Speaking of David Schneider, who... 21 homers as of today, if that's correct. Thank you for nodding in agreement to make me sound smart, Pat. Thank you. I did a little bit of research before today's episode, which is a first. A plus 60 run differential in the second half. Lots of double-digit run scoring games these last few weeks, especially that series against Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. We're keeping up to date on the West Coast, and it's like, oh my goodness, the Bisons, once again, another beatdown uh, in International League action. Other than Schneider, what has been the source of some of this recent surge at the dish? Well, getting guys like Ernie Clements back in the lineup has meant a lot. Nathan Lucas, who spent the majority of the first half in the big leagues, he's a 300 hitter here at the AAA level. It's just proven, whether it was with Durham or with the Bisons last year. So to have someone like Lucas at the top of the card, Ernie Clements in the lineup more often than not uh, in this second half. And then I really go back to the end of April when this Bison team was struggling out of the gate. Uh, guys like Tanner Morris, uh, LJ Talley, who's no longer with the organization, they were hitting under 100. And then you had that 21-9 to 9 blowout of Gwinnett, where Spencer Horwitz, who had one RBI going into that road trip at the end of April, only one RBI, has six in a game. LJ Talley has six in. That springboarded the team into a lot more consistent play. And it might not show up in the wins and losses because you were so far behind the eight ball in the first month of the year. But the team, I think, was really building towards um, really being a very 
very good offensive team. They're hitting for average. That was not a problem, but it was the power numbers and a lot of those timely hits that were not coming for this team. Snyder hits 21 home runs. Uh, Spencer Horwood, since I think being able to relax a little bit and not worrying about getting back to the power numbers because his power hasn't been there this year, maybe pressing a little bit too hard. But I think the one thing we've seen the last two weeks, working with Matt Haig, forgetting about worrying about trying to hit the home run has really increased the power numbers for Spencer. So when you talk about that, and then a guy like Tanner Morris, who I mentioned was hitting under uh, right around 100 uh, when we were in Gwinnett and has a big series there, he's been very steady for this team uh, to be able to be slotted in later in the card. One through nine, there's no easy out, and the Bisons have gotten those timely hits that just did not come for the longest time. And if you want to you know, break it down into the series last week against Grant Wilkesbury, I think you're taking advantage of a team that has a lot of double-A pitching, a lot of prospects, but guys seeing triple-A consistently for the first time. And when you've got a Bison lineup that is hitting its stride like it has been the last month or so, that's what happens. And that's what's going to make next week that much, I think, more interesting in terms of a Worcester team that's put it all together. This Lehigh Valley team, which last night Drew Hutchison looked like the, the old Drew Hutchison uh, over eight innings, didn't really strike anybody out, but only issued one walk. Scattered seven hits along the way, six hits along the way. Uh, Addison Barger hit a home run. That's the reason why the Bison offense has been so good to have him back in the lineup and really getting good quality consistent at-bats. But when you have some veterans on the mound, um, it, it, it makes for an interesting matchup. And I think that's why also you add that layer to this two-week road trip and what we can see uh, how the Bisons kind of finish out of that. As good as the bats have been, Pat, I'd like to talk about three pitchers who have been stopping and starting, if you will, not starting on the mound, but starting with their success. That's uh, Hayden Yinger, Jasper Zulueta, and Hagen Danner. I think Danner of the three of them is the one who has been the most consistent, it would seem like. But just from your point of view in the press box and being around the clubhouse, the team bus, et cetera, uh, and then just from what you've seen in terms of on-the-field performance or lack thereof, three guys, electric stuff, great arms, haven't found that consistency yet at the uppest, or the highest level of the minors, I should say. After really blowing through the lower minors, Danner excluded from that as well because of his injury history and converting from a catcher, etc. Uh, what are some things that you've seen from them on the good side that are building blocks to future success? Because I think those are three guys who could certainly factor in to the major league club success or lack thereof either this season or early next year. I'll start with Hayden Yinger. And I think this is what you are going to come to expect now of a lot of the draft picks in terms of, I don't want to say fast-tracking them up up through the minor leagues, but certainly there are going to be some players that excel at the other levels and get to AAA faster than others. And for Hayden, he was on such a high trajectory last year. To duplicate the efforts of what he had last season might have been unfair expectations put on by himself, not by anybody else, but by himself. The the, the encouraging part is, in talking to him around around the cage and around the field, he's not letting some of the disappointments and some of the getting hit around at times uh, discourage him because you look at the numbers and you look at the quality of the pitches that he's putting forward. And it, he still is throwing the ball about the same as he did last year. It's just last season, guys weren't hitting it this year. You're getting a lot more blue pits. So whether that's, you know, just seeing guys for the second time or what you were talking about with Chris earlier, seeing guys more uh, repeatedly throughout the minor leagues over your course of your career, that could be part of it. But I think Hayden really is not letting some of the results, not all of it, but some of the results really influence how he pitches. And if he can get back to, you know, get through the end of this season, finish strong, help towards a playoff push for the Bison, 
and, and work in the offseason that getting back to um, continuing to pitch the way he has been the last couple of years, I think 2024 will be a, a successful year for Yinger. And then you look at Yosra Zulueta, I keep coming back to the fact that he has not pitched a full season uh, in minor league baseball in his career. Hasn't pitched more than a couple of outings before you know last year. And now going through it and being for, here at a full season at AAA, I think he's now found a spot for himself where he's in a good groove in it. And he's had a comfort level now over the last month uh, that has allowed him to be a lot more successful. The stuff has been the same all year long. It's played in the upper 90s. The slider is wipeout stuff. Um, it has good sweep to it. That has never been the issue. It's that consistency because I think, you know, whether it's worried about, am I going to overtax myself and have another injury? You know, I'm sure that plays into the back of your mind at times when you've dealt with so many injuries the way he has. To get over some of those mental hurdles and to get over some of those physical hurdles to get through a full season this year, I think will be a, a very important launching point for Zulueta going into next year as well. And you talk about Hagen Danner. I think you're right. He is of the three probably the, the most consistent. And he just goes out there with the, that, that, the California laid-back attitude. And I think that helps him as well is he, he throws so hard. Um, you know, seeing guys here at this AAA level uh, not be able to catch up to his stuff. Uh, he's been somebody that's been very consistent for this Bison team. And uh, through back-to-back days uh, in the first two days of this series, we'll be off for a couple of days. But a really cool story about Hagen is, Last week, we hosted uh, a, a, a young child by the name of Baby Sean. He's not a baby anymore. He's 12 years old. But at, at the age of four, he, he was uh, diagnosed with brain cancer. And now, eight years removed, he was, he was given a very grim diagnosis, has, has been in, in remission, cancer-free for several years now, came out to the field, met with the team. All the players were great. Uh, he and a couple of his friends that, that played um, in local late baseball leagues together got to meet the team. And... Hagen was coming off the field and he had his pink glove uh, that he was using that has the, the um, on the, on the uh, finger of the, of the glove. It has his grandmother's names on it. He was talking to baby Sean about the significance behind the glove. And baby Sean mentioned how he just loved the look of it. Uh, he just got a newer glove and, and they were talking about things. And then Hagen customized the glove with him and it's going to be mailed to, to baby Sean in the next couple of weeks. So they sat there, they picked the color, they picked the, the, the color for the strings. They picked uh, what word was good, what was going to be on it. Uh, a couple of different uh, ribbon on it. All the all the different things. He just sat there for about a half hour, and you know it's a it's. I know it's not a small thing, but it's something that you get to you get to experience. And it, it, again, going back to like you know it's a long baseball season, but to see Hagen take the time with with someone like Baby Sean and and really get to know him a little bit, uh, it's something that Sean will get to have you know forever. To the smile on his face when they got done and. You know, he put the shipping address in and said, okay, your goal will be to you in a couple of weeks. That, that was just such a cool moment uh, that, that Hagen, um, you know, really helped, helped create. And that is what it's all about at the end of the day. I think it is so easy for us in the business and fans to get so wound up about the on-field stuff and why aren't you performing to this or my team is losing, my team is winning, et cetera. But that is the power that all of all these guys in this organization and the other 29 uh, understand. Some guys much better than others, but it seems like in the Blue Jays organization, top to bottom, more than ever, guys are staying after the game, out on the field, signing autographs, making those memories. And Hagen Danner, a real one, as the kids say, for making memories for baby Sean. Lastly, Pat, before we, as always, get to know how we can stay up to date with what is going to be a crucial stretch of the schedule for the Bisons. It is a two-week road trip, a rarity these days. We're good for maybe one two-week road trip a year, maybe two up there in AAA. 
how do you personally stay sane? And do you have to pack any more? Uh, and whatever it may be, whether it's underwear or otherwise? Uh, I, I packed an extra day's worth of stuff. And I'll say that um, the, the clubbies along the way are, are, have been great. And it's funny enough, we have two two-week road trips this year. They both end up with the second half of the trip in Worcester. Um, and the clubbies there are great. Um, I was lucky enough just they I gave them my laundry last time, gave them, gave them a nice little little tip at the end, and, and they took care of me well. And uh, hopefully they'll be able to help me out again. Uh, we're, we're at a hotel here that's an extended stay, so there is the ability to do some laundry here. Um, I don't know if I trust myself, um, you know, to, to, to work the, the washer and dryer correctly here. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, you do have to pack a little bit different. Um, you do get the off day on Monday. So um, the last time we, we were in Worcester, it just so happened that the Blue Jays were in, in Boston. So I had the chance to go up and catch up with a couple of players, do some interviews for pregame uh, chats that we had. And, and uh, it was fun. And I'll probably end up in Boston again on the off day this coming Monday and then uh, hopefully get, get some laundry done along the way. And um, it's, it's unique. And, you know, we still don't know next year's schedule. Could we have a couple of two-week road trips again? Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to stagger it a little bit more, but uh, definitely it's fun and you know, it's hard, hard to, um, you know, be disappointed when you make a trip up to New England and, and go to Worcester in, in July or August. And uh, it's always fun to be up there. And the folks are so great. And I'll get to see Tyler Murray for a couple of days and uh, bug him a little bit. So it'll be all good. Fuller Park, a special place. I got to see him there last year, uh, hosted me and my now wife for a game. It was great to be a fan. Also, I love that press box where they've got the nice success. They did the best of both worlds because like in Hartford, as Bob knows, the press area has been slid down the third baseline. So I can't see the left fielder from the visiting broadcast booth when you've got the window open. That's Gareth Kwok's problem now. But up there, they did it great. You've still got that behind home plate opportunity for the press box, but then you've got that terrific club uh, and great seats out there as well a good place to be and a place that the Bisons may be making some significant headway in the International League second half standings next week. And how, Pat, can we stay up to date and make sure we tune in? Because I'll be honest, as much as the Canadians have been playing so well and have been fun to watch, I'm running out of superlatives for my headlines here in high A. So we need to turn our attention to AAA over these next 10 days. You can find us over at Bisons.com. We've got a listen live link there that'll take you right to uh, the best 1520, which is our, our flagship station. Uh, here in, in Buffalo and in Western New York. And if you have the Odyssey app, I know a lot of a lot of local stations are on the Odyssey uh, family of networks. Um, you can find us if you just search the Bet 1520 on the Odyssey app. All of our games are there streaming live. And um, maybe you have Valley Live and you can watch. Uh, you can. We don't have the ability yet. I've told it's supposed to be coming at some point, but to be able to listen to home and, and road broadcasts. But you can at least catch up and, and watch the games, any game on the Valley Live app. Um, you know, mentioned Tyler Murray. He does a great job on, on those Nesson Plus broadcasts. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be all that upset if Blue Jay fans decided to tune in next week to the the, the Woo Stocks broadcast. I could I give you dispensation for a week. If it was any team, we can give a pass to our old friend Tyler Murray. But before we let you go, Pat, after this road trip, you're all going to be home back to Salem Field in Buffalo. This comes from Leo Mui, our producer. Cannot say goodbye without asking this question. Obscure Jersey night is coming. I know those players in that clubhouse are going to bust out some obscure jerseys. But what about for you? And uh, what about Duke maybe rocking some obscure jerseys up there in the press box? Yeah, we definitely have them. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm somebody who's collected jerseys over the years. I've got a lot of them and sometimes I've in the past, I bought a Jersey just to have some fun at a friend's expense. So um, I've got, I've got, I can pull out a Chicago bears, Rick Myrer Jersey. I've got XFL. I've got turn ahead the clock. I mean, you name it. I've got uh, a host of uh, different ones that I could, 
to break out for, for uh, obscure Jersey nights that aren't just baseball. So, uh, yeah, I could have some fun at my expense at those nights. And uh, it's always fun. And the next night is hockey night at the ballpark, too. So, um, you know, obscure Jersey night on Friday and, and hockey night on Saturday, uh, which is always fun. Our friends at the Sabres uh, have allowed us uh, to have a lot of great freedom with uh, the jer- jerseys we've worn, maybe the same jersey as we had last year, um, which I think looks pretty sharp. So looking forward to both of those coming up the next home stand. Lots of great stuff coming to us from AAA Buffalo on the field, off the field, and out of the mouth of Pat Malacara. As always, Pat, thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Tyler. That's it. Another edition of Around the Nest in the books going backwards up the ladder today. Chris Valentine, Bob Lippman, Pat Malacaro. Thank you, gentlemen. I'm Tyler Zickel. And for our producer, Leo Mui, this has been another edition of Around the Nest.